Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, October 22nd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. We're chatting some college football here for week eight. We'll do a highlight video on Notre Dame and Pitt, also a highlight video on Michigan and Minnesota. Then we'll talk some NFL for week seven, a card that I don't like. Maybe we'll hear some more from Brad on something that he likes here with professional football for this weekend over at ats.io lots of great content for you to check out some great sportsbook promotions this week we've got a lot of bet one one dollar win one hundred dollar promos out there at bet mgm at DraftKings. you can read about those over at ats.io lots of picks and predictions over there my college football power ratings uh, i do opening line reports every monday do a sharp money report every friday on both of those markets Tons of things going on over at ATS.io and a lot of stuff going on on our very busy ATS YouTube page as well. Did some highlight videos from yesterday's show with Kyle Hunter. We'll have highlight videos from today's show and we got some stuff from Brian Blessing over there for you to check out as well. With that, we'll go ahead and bring on today's guest and that is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? Man, it's going well. Good to hear your voice on this fine Thursday morning. Yeah, good to chat with you as well here as always. And uh, I guess the starting point here for us this week in college football is you and I were talking about this before we started doing the show here that, you know, our power ratings are tightening up. We're getting a lot closer to the market and, you know, you would hope, and this has been the case for me this week and especially last week as well, a lot of lines moving towards my numbers if I do have some sort of outlier. And at this point in the year, even though we've got two new conferences starting up and we'll talk about them in a few minutes time. You don't want big overlays in your power ratings, and you most definitely want those lines moving towards your numbers. Absolutely, you do. So, I mean, if you are still having the same amount of power ratings disparities as you had week one, there is something wrong with your power ratings personally. Now, with this week, with an extra 15, 20 games, maybe you can have the same um, uh, you know, number that you've had in recent weeks. But at least the conferences that have been playing here for the last four, five, six weeks – your power rings should be relatively spot on. You and I were chatting just before. Uh, I have 48 games this week. I only have four disparities of three or more points this week, and I can explain three of the four. Uh, but yeah, it's it, that was that's usually my fewest amount uh, that, that I'll have this time of year. Usually, it's only three, four a week. So and that's good enough. My it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, you want your power rings matching, getting close to the market. But also, if your power ratings are doing good, mine are this year, actually better than my own handicapping, uh, you, you lose those opportunities where you have overlays. So you, you kind of want some overlay because you, you want to have some bets. You want to have some teams that you're more high on or more low on than the market. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, for the first three weeks or so of the season, at least in a traditional context, you know, I'm firing right away on those games where yeah. I have big disparities, big discrepancies. Now, if I have one, I'm sitting there going, what the hell am I missing? Is there something going on? Is there an injury I didn't account for? Obviously this year, you know, is there some sort of COVID question that I haven't accounted for? One other thing that I've kind of noticed here too, and I don't don't know if this is something you've kind of picked up on, or maybe you've made some sort of adjustment, something like that. I sort of feel like across the college football and the NFL betting markets that maybe home field advantage is being accounted for a little bit higher in the market than I'm accounting for. And most teams for me in college football, at least 
that have fans here, I'm giving them one and a half points for home field. Everybody else gets one. Some of the teams that are having, you know, 20, 25,000 fans, they're getting two, possibly two and a half at the most. But I feel like some of my discrepancies here may be that my home field advantage inclusion is different than what the market's doing right now. Yeah, I would say you're a little short there. I would bump it up to one and a half, two, one and a half for no fans, two for for a little bit of crowd there. And in some instances, I mean, I've watched a few games this year where I've I've certainly noticed the crowd. Uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma, I noticed Iowa State's crowd. Georgia, Auburn noticed Georgia's crowd. Florida State, North Carolina last week. I don't know if it was the band doing the Seminole Chop after every uh, you know every play of the game in the first half. But that crowd seemed, you know, hardly any noticeable than what I normally would see from, from a Florida State crowd. So I think if you're using one to one and a half, you're at least a half point short in the marketplace at this point. Well, that is something that I, I will have to take a second look at. And I did adjust my home field numbers a little bit last week. Thanks to you. You sent me over uh, a list of, you know, what co- average capacity has been so far, what percentage of capacity that is for the stadium. So I did make some mild adjustments based on that, added the half point to a couple of teams. But yeah, you know, maybe that is something I need to take an extended look at. And furthermore, you know, with the Mountain West here this week and the Pac-12 coming in two weeks time, we're back to some teams that play in elevation. So those are ones that I've accounted for already, but maybe I haven't accounted for enough at this point in time. Uh, But Speaking of of the Mountain West, I guess let's go ahead and start with that. We talked about the Big Ten yesterday. We'll talk about the Big Ten here yesterday or uh, on today's show as well. But in looking at the Mountain West here, Brad, Boise State, the top team for me, I've got them power rated a 74 and a half. That's 34th in the country for me. Wyoming is at 66 and a half for me, 68th in the country. So I have Boise State an eight point favorite on a neutral over any other team here in this conference. And it was, I looked up and down the mountain West, a lot of questions, a lot of teams that I have downgraded a little bit from last season. Yeah, I, it's probably the toughest conference as far as this year. Number one, you have five brand new coaches. So half the, half the conference has a new, uh, new coaching staff. And obviously it's not ideal uh, in this COVID season to, to be a first year coach, at least in my opinion, at least early on in the process here, I agree with you, Boise state clear cut the best team in this conference. That's not going to make national news. We've known this for the last 15, 20 years. I have Boise state on neutral about 10 points better than the next set of teams. Uh, that being Wyoming, San Diego state, the air forces of the world. So Boise state clear cut favorite here after them, I mean, I got to, you know, I did not fire away on a lot of Mountain West bets here uh, for week one. Let's just put it that way. Number one, I thought the market was relatively close to what I had. And and number two, I just got way too much uncertainty at this point. I I can tell you this. And, you know, 30-second rant. When Air Force is missing 30 or 40 players and the market moves against them seven, eight points, and they go ahead and just annihilate Navy. I mean, come on, folks. Are you really going to dive in to you know the, the newspapers like I you know normally do among each team? Maybe you find oh they're missing this guy, they're missing you know that guy. If forty players aren't going to make a difference, I mean one or two at this point, I, I'm not going to you know overwhelm myself this week by diving into a bunch of you know the, the you know Wyoming the Laramie paper to see what the hell's going on with Wyoming right now I, I'm gonna eye test the Mountain West first before I start making some massive adjustments in my ratings 
I think that's fair. I guess my counterpoint to the new coaches is, you know, for Fresno State, Kalen DeBoer is now back. He was the excellent player. Now he's back. Brady Hoke is, you know, he was in the San Diego State program last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was the defensive, defensive line, line coach. coach. Yep. So, you know, there is a little bit more stability, at least in those situations in particular. But also you look at this conference and you know, there's, there's a good amount of roster turnover at some of these programs. You still do have the new head coaches, which also means generally new coordinators. Hawaii is an interesting one to me. And Hawaii, in fact, taking money this week, going up against Fresno State, which is a really interesting situation to me because Hawaii, I, mean, I thought Nick Rolovich did a very good job there. And, and we'll see what kind of job he does up at Washington State when the Pac-12 gets started. I think that's a spot where, you know, nothing against uh, Todd Graham, but it just that feels like a coaching downgrade to me. Yet they're taking money this week, so I, my line is you know in the five and a half range for that game. So I was right around the open. It has come down a little bit, but I think it sort of speaks to a little bit of that general uncertainty in the Mountain West that a team like Hawaii coming to the mainland with a new head coach is still taking some money. Yeah, I think it was a bad number. It started with Circa having it like eight or nine Fresno State. That was just bad. And I'm, I, you're very sharp. I mean, I don't know how you do it in all the different sports, but if there was one new coaching staff I'd probably want to play on, it'd be Fresno State. Off of last year, I mean, uh, historically off, historically great two years ago, you know, dived out, nosedived to four and eight last year. They were better than their four and eight record. DeBoer, if you really follow college football closely, this is the name that you need to know because I mean, a lot of people are saying it's a very bright mind was the offense coordinator here a couple years ago, did a really good job in Indiana last year. Uh, he kept the, the, the OC that was there, you know, last year. So there's way more continuity there at Fresno state than the other jobs. A little bit surprised. Any more money that comes in on Hawaii, I'll talk myself into a Fresno state ticket, but I just think it was a bad number. Uh, you're right. Brady Hoke. I, I thought I was going to be way down on San Diego state, but here's why I watch bowl games and I watch a ton of games and I, I didn't have anything else to do in March and April. I mean, they took away March madness from me and uh, everything else going on. It was interesting after they crushed uh, central Michigan in the bowl game, the way that the players celebrated, they went towards Brady Hoke, not Rocky long. I mean, they, it was like they gave Brady Hoke the Gatorade bath and whatnot. So this was prior to, you know, Rocky long stepping down and whatnot. So there might've been already, word that you know Brady Hoke was going to take over so I think there's a little bit more continuity there uh in San Diego State than a lot of the other jobs UNLV right here in town uh I they've upgraded I, I've seen it on the recruiting trail but I mean on the field I don't know if they've upgraded at least for this year so much uh, an entirely new staff one game I wish was being played this week and the only game that's been canceled here so far knock on wood hopefully we don't get any more of them New Mexico and Colorado State, another game where <laughs> got circle line value on the opener. And, of course, it winds up getting canceled. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I do like New Mexico in general. I mean, I don't have them power rated highly. I've got them a 51, 122nd in the country out of the 127 teams in my power rating. So I, I'm not high on them from a you know personnel standpoint. But I think Danny Gonzalez is a good fit. Rocky Long's back as the D.C. I wanted to see them play. And in particular – I wanted to see them go up against a Colorado State team that I have massive questions about. Steve Adazio did well at Boston College. I will give him credit for that. But to me, in the Mountain West, if you want to play this physical brand of football and run this power rushing attack and stuff like that, 
I don't know how that's going to work. So I wanted to see Colorado State in action this week because I want to get an idea of what we're actually looking at here, you know, with Adazio and what the Rams are going to do. So I didn't know you were going to bring up this game. So I guess I lied. I did make one bet in the Mountain West. I bet New Mexico uh, plus 20. Uh, and obviously, uh, gone. Uh, goodbye. I mean, there were significant issues, it seems like, in New Mexico with COVID, but I just thought it was a bad number. And I, I think New Mexico – I mean, how bad can it get? I got Empowerade as the worst team in the Mountain West, and I still had a massive overlay in this game. I got Colorado State up in my power ranks, even though they've had so many off-field issues. That it could even be a downgraded head coach. I don't think Bobo was terrible uh, for him there. Uh, so I I really wanted to bet New Mexico, and I did, and it's gone. So thanks again for bringing that up. No, I, I apologize for that. I mean, my line's fourteen on that game, so I had that a, was my line fourteen. I, I had a big overlay from the circa number as well, and and what it was down to seventeen and a half, sixteen and a half in the market. Uh, you know, before yep. that game got banged, but. You know, that is the thing here about the Mountain West. And, and I guess one other team that we can touch on here a little bit, Utah State, because, you know, there, there seemed to be a little bit of a period of time last year where Gary Anderson, you know, kind of put his stamp back on the program. Things were maybe going a little bit in his direction. But this is a team, I got them power rated a 60. They'd be a 14 and a half point dog on a neutral to Boise. So I got that line in the 16 range here for this week. I, I just... I, I don't have high hopes for Utah State this year. What, what is your kind of projection of that team? Obviously, they lose the first-round draft pick at quarterback. I mean, for a team like Utah State, a program like that, it's very tough to recover from that. I, I want to be very anti-Utah State this year, but they got a couple of high-level transfers. Jason Shelley from Utah is going to be their quarterback. Uh, he did okay. I mean, started multiple games at Utah. Uh, Huntley, uh, Huntley was better than him, but Shelley won him some football games. Uh, and also they got Cole at running back, another uh, kid that's bounced around, but, uh, you know, was productive at Utah as well. So two decent uh, power five transfers that have started in the past. So th- that got me upgrading their power rating a little bit late in the process. Both of those guys transferred uh, in the summer, uh, like July. I want to think I want to. Yeah, that, that's about where, where it was. But uh, I still got an overlay a little bit in this one. I got Boise State by 17 and a half. So really no bet there. Well, and again, the important thing here, and and one of the reasons why we do power ratings, and we'll talk about this as we go forward here, is that, you know, again, we we don't want to overreact to one or two data points here from the Mountain West. So that's why when we adjust our power ratings, we'll compare with that closing number. We'll look through the box score, see how everything kind of played out, stuff like that, because it is very easy now when we've had, you know, seven data, six, seven data points for some teams, we're getting a first one now for the big 10 and the mountain West. This is a good system of checks and balances to have your own power ratings, to not overreact to that one performance. Uh, because you know, again, you start doing things like that. You start making adjustments that are too large. You can put yourself in some compromising spots. Absolutely. You can. And, <laughs> For me, I think thankfully the, the great thing with college football is you, you can take a wait and see approach on one conference when there's seven, eight conferences. It's not like the NFL where if you pick and choose, oh my God, I'm down to five or six games I need to choose from. The beauty of college football, you got 50 games to choose from. You know, you, you, we got to lay 110, but the, the, the good thing is we can choose where we can lay the 110. So for me, I, I am going to wait and see. But one thing that I have done differently this year, 
I, I have watched more games and probably what, what's helped is it's only been 25 games a week where I've been able to physically watch a lot more uh, than what I normally would like, meaning I can watch every game throughout the course of the week, at least, a, you know, a shortened uh, highlight version. I, that is helping me. So with the Mountain West and Big Ten this week, those are the game, you know, even though I got bets in other conferences and, and obviously those are more important, but as far as the, the next couple of weeks, finding value, I am going to be watching more Big Ten and Mountain West this week and next week than, than other conferences where I've already seen the teams three, four times. Well, a few decent games in the Big Ten here this week. Michigan, Minnesota, we'll do a highlight video on later. Penn State, Indiana, pretty good game. And in fact, yep. we're seeing Indiana money here uh, dropping agree this line with down to five and a half. Do you? I got it seven and a half. I, we, we talked about that game yesterday on the show. And, and I, I mean, look, this is the argument that I made yesterday, and I'm curious to get your take on it. I understand being high on Indiana. I understand liking a lot of the things Indiana's doing. Tom Allen's done a great job with the defense. Michael Penix seems like a pretty good quarterback. They've got good skill position guys, skill position guys, excuse me. But every time we get one of these teams in the middle tier of a conference that people want to play on, I got to see it. I got to, you know, see it to believe it because, you know, a lot of times these teams like a, you know, like a, let's say a North Carolina making a leap, something like that. A lot of people like these teams and they either fall short of expectation or they just aren't good enough to compete with the top tier. If Indiana wants to be in that next level of teams in the Big Ten, I think they have to win this weekend. And I haven't bet the game, and maybe I take Penn State if the line keeps going down, but I don't agree with that move. I just don't. Uh, it's moving for, you know, Journey Brown, the Penn State running back, looks like he might miss the season. That's a negative for them. Uh, obviously market knows Micah Parsons, probably the best linebacker in the country opted out for Penn state. That's a negative in my opinion. Uh, Indiana. I mean, I got a power rate top 30. I think they're a legit team. I had them in that mix last year and their experienced team with 16 returning starters. I think Penix is an upgrade over Ramsey. At least he's higher variance. He has more upside. I think his floor is a little bit lower as far as turning the ball over compared to Peyton Ramsey, who's now the quarterback at Northwestern. The problem I have in college football, Adam, is I can punch holes in almost a- a- any game. And I'm going to give you a nugget here on why Indiana might be uh, a, a stinker, not only for this game, but but maybe even myself. I'm overrating it. DeBoer's gone. The offense corner that we just talked up that I'm high on, that, that's now the Fresno State coach. He was the OC at Indiana last year. And now, just as you were talking, uh, also that no one's going to look at, Indiana lost their strength staff. Their top two strength coaches, that entire staff is gone. You know who hired them? Nick Saban, Alabama, hired Indiana strength and conditioning staff. So in a COVID season, to lose guys that Nick Saban thought were really, really good top level in the entire country, that might be an issue for Indiana. And therefore, I can only bite off a little piece maybe of Indiana plus six. Uh, but but I can't go in all in big, all the chips uh, in, the, in the middle of the table. That is a phenomenal point. And especially when you consider, too, that, you know, because these teams weren't really able to meet a whole lot over the offseason, not able to do a lot of the same practice regimens, they were putting together, you know, strength plans for these kids to work out on their own. Yep. So that, that could be a big loss for Indiana. That's an excellent point there. Indiana's a, a top 25 team for me. I have them 25th in my power ratings. Well, maybe it's the Penn State. Rating. Where do you got Penn State at? Like I got fifth? Penn State sixth. Yeah, with a power right. rating of eighty-five. So, you know, again, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where, and I've talked about this a lot. You know, we talked about it in the context of Florida State a few weeks ago. 
these programs that recruit really well, that are very consistent year in and year out, I, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. For better or worse, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe this year I'm a little bit high on the Penn State side. But as far as the rest of the Big Ten goes, Ohio State, second best in the country for me. They could wind up being first, depending on how they look here coming out of the gate. I have them power rated a 98, and they're 12 points higher than any other Big Ten team for me. I'm in a similar boat. Uh, I got them number two, uh, but almost dead even with Alabama. I mean, I've upgraded Alabama. Uh, They just impressed me offensively. Yeah, I would favor the Buckeyes right now, about 12 points on a neutral. I got Wisconsin slightly above Penn State, so that's my number two team is the Badgers. That's what I have, too. I have have Wisconsin a point better than Penn State, and then I've got Michigan uh, two and a half points lower than Penn State. And I am a little bit high, and we'll talk more about that game here uh, in a little bit. But the thing that's really interesting to me is sort of this middle tier of the Big Ten, like what we just talked about with Indiana. A lot of people seem to be pretty high on Purdue this year now that Rondale Morris come back. Iowa, another one of those teams that's very consistent year in and year out. But I don't know exactly what I'm going to get from them. I do have them power rated 21st in the country, but still a 20-point dog to Ohio State on a neutral. They're a 78 for me. Minnesota, P.J. Fleck has this team going in the right direction, but they lost a 1,200-yard receiver and a, what, 1,100, 1,200-yard rusher from last year. So Bateman's going to get double covered every play now. So we'll yep. see if Tanner Morgan can get the ball to him. And then, you know, I don't really know how those teams are going to sort of shake themselves out, but it is nice that we've got Minnesota, Michigan this week, and also Purdue and Iowa and Penn State, Indiana, to answer some questions about these teams pretty quickly. Yeah, three very competitive games where – yeah, I bet. I mean, I just bet opener. I mean, Iowa was an underdog against Purdue. So, of course, I bet Iowa there. But now at the current three number, very fair number. Michigan, Minnesota, we're going to do that video here. I mean, I can have a small bet, but it's not a big bet. We just got done talking Penn State, Indiana, maybe a small bet on the Hoosiers for me. But the good thing is, I can, you know, these, I'm going to know pretty much how good these teams are. I mean, obviously, anything can happen in a season opener, particularly this, uh, this year in particular. But, we're certainly going to get a a decent look on how good these teams are immediately. I mean, uh, I, or they can just play up to expectation and we won't be moving too much because you mentioned Iowa's very consistent. I don't move my Iowa power rating up and down too much on a year in and year out basis. Minnesota's probably the team I'm most interested in uh, because they are off an historical outlier and we'll see if they can continue. Uh, If they can maintain what they were a year ago, or if it is kind of an outlier for them. That's the game probably I'm looking forward to most this entire weekend. Well, and and unlike the Mountain West, where I think a lot of teams are very interchangeable, we've got well-defined tiers here in the Big Ten. And I think kind of the next tier is, you know, Northwestern with transfer Peyton Ramsey, who you mentioned already, Nebraska, where we don't have that Scott Frost hype this year. So maybe this is the year the Cornhuskers kind of figure it out. What's your take on that? I got a sneaky suspicion I mean, I hate fading the Buckeyes, and especially I bet on Nebraska in this game last year and was annihilated. I, I think you bring up a good point. It's been super quiet in Lincoln the last month. Obviously, they were the talk two, three months ago when all that Big Ten stuff was going down, but it's been quiet the last four weeks there. I, I'm going to talk myself into personally betting Nebraska this week. What's your take? I got that line 29 um, and that's oh, with, that's you're, with, you're on the other side. That's with, that's with only giving Ohio state one point for home field advantage. And you know, again, no fans oh, yeah, in the you gotta, all year long. Brutus ain't going to be there. That's a worth a point. I right. mean, 
you know, even though he's wearing a big freaking, you know, well, I'm not going to go into it. Yeah. He's not allowed. He's not allowed in. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Ohio state. I played him at the 26. I, and I'm not that far off from the market. I'm only three points off. It's not like it's key numbers, you know, in that upper twenties range. I just think Ohio state wants to make a statement. I, I just think, you know, with how they lobbied so hard to play with Ryan day. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Ryan day is an upgrade to urban Meyer. Ryan day oh, is, wow. he is on look, Here's the thing. From an X's and O's standpoint, maybe that's not true. From a recruiting standpoint, I don't know. I guess we'll kind of wait and see. This team loves Ryan Day. They will run through walls. I don't even play football, and I would run through a a wall for Ryan Day. The way that he stood up for these players, everything that he's said publicly, you know, I mean, look, these guys, as crazy as it is to sound, they love Ryan Day. And I don't know if they had that same type of relationship with Urban Meyer, who's kind of, you know, very business first kind of guy. Yeah. I, I don't know if Ryan day is just more relatable or, or something like that, but I mean, Ryan day went to bat for these kids multiple times over and he, he goes to bat for them all the time. You know, it, it's as much as I love urban Meyer, he puts himself first and I can understand why I feel like Ryan day doesn't do that. And, and maybe it's just my perception as a Buckeyes fan. Maybe I'm just smitten with the guy. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I like I, his I, rosy cheeks. I just feel like this Ohio State team, they're on the war path, man. I mean, especially given what happened last year in the semifinal, they're going to take out some serious frustrations and just beat the shit out of some teams. I think Nebraska is one of them. I really do. All right. I think you talked me out of it. All right. Fair enough. We can still do dinner. I, I, I can. I, I agree. I think Ryan Day's an upgrade over 2018 and 2017 Urban Meyer. He's got a long ways to go to match Urban's career. Let's just put it that way. He does. And and certainly Ryan Day walked into a phenomenal situation. I mean, Ohio State is just – they're blowing the conference away in recruiting and oh, a lot of programs around the country too. So he walked into a great spot, but I, there's just – there's something about the way that, that he represents the program, that he treats these kids, that just feels different to me. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe yeah, I, I hear you. I, maybe a better Ohio State a representative. I always thought Trestle was a, a better representative of Ohio State than Urban, even though I think Urban's a better coach than Jim Trestle. That, does that make sense? Maybe you get the best of both worlds. You get a really good guy in Ryan Day. I think he's already proven to be a better recruiter than Trestle, but he, you know, he's a better ambassador like Trestle was. Uh, the, the senator, they didn't call him the senator for, for no reason than, than Urban is. Urban's, let's just face it, a little shady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it got him a lot. So, you know, I, oh, I love I am majorly pro urban. So let's put it that way. No, that's fair. I mean, I, I am, of course I'm biased. So, you know, I am too, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's just something different about the current state All right. Ohio state program. And I don't know. I, I guess we'll kind of see. We'll it's see exciting because you're going to find out at the end of the year when they, I mean, Alabama looks really good. Clemson looks good. Cannot wait for, I, hopefully we get there. I, yeah, I hope so. I, I really, really hope so. Uh, one team with no playoff aspirations this year and really for the foreseeable future, a team that has been consistent, a team that's been really a stalwart in this conference, Michigan State. I mean, this program is not in good shape right now. I don't know how Mel Tucker is going to do there in East Lansing. It was clear that they needed a change. I think D'Antonio wanted out. I think the program kind of wanted D'Antonio out, but 
Look, I mean, I got Michigan State power rated a 68 here. They'd be a 30-point dog to Ohio State on a neutral. 61st in the country for me. And quite frankly, in talking to some other people, I might even still be too high on Sparty. I'm in a similar boat, about a 31-point underdog to Ohio State on a neutral. That's incredible, considering five years ago, Michigan State was the program, the thorn in the side of Ohio State, beating them a couple of times, even when Urban was there. Uh, Yeah, average team. Uh, I mean, as far as if we're comparing one through 130, I got them like 67. I mean, if now if you're comparing them just to the Power Five, well below average Power Five team for Michigan State. Uh, they have fallen on hard times. If there was one team in the Big Ten that I said I circled and said I want to fade this team this year, Michigan State was that team. Mel Tucker hired very late in the process after signing day. Uh, a lot of off-field unrest in that program. I'm not, I'm not even sure. I got a lot of questions uh, about Mel Tucker. I mean, I only seen him one year at Colorado. Uh, so what, what we'll see. I, I don't like the personnel. They had a lot of opt-outs. Uh, practice time an issue and to me you didn't get a lot of rah-rah from Michigan State in the summer uh, when the Big Ten canceled you heard it from Nebraska you obviously heard it from Ohio State you heard Jim Harbaugh talking I didn't hear nothing from Michigan State so I got a question do they really want to play uh, this year the problem is who's the Big Ten schedule line them up with week one Rutgers I mean it's just a missed betting opportunity I I mean, Shadow's going to be an upgrade, but I don't know if it's an upgrade this year. They're an experienced team. They got a lot of transfers. But, again, I'm not sure I want to bet on Rutgers week one under Shiano. So, I I, I mean, again, it, it always seems like I'm bitching, pissing, and moaning here. But, man, I thought that was a missed opportunity to fade Michigan State right away week one. Here's my hope. I hope Michigan State crushes Rutgers so I can fade Michigan State the next couple of weeks. I hope they annihilate Rutgers so, again, I, I can fade Michigan State the next couple of weeks. That's my my th- thought process moving forward. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I hope Michigan State comes out and plays well. I don't know if they will, but I hope I that they do so because I agree. that That's definitely a fade team for me. One other team that's been polarizing here, and then we'll get into some game breakdowns for this week, Illinois. You know, I I had kind of a difference of opinion yesterday on the show with Kyle Hunter. We're about, I think, point and a half, two points different on Illinois. So nothing of great significance, but he's got a little bit higher of a projection for this team than I do. I have them 65 and a half in my power rating, 73rd nationally out of the 127 teams that we've talked about. They're the third lowest team for me in the Big Ten. Only Maryland and Rutgers lower than them. Am I too low on Illinois? Am, am I thinking, you know, that that maybe, uh, you know, I didn't make the right adjustments from how they played last year? No, I'm with you. And I've also gotten, you know, difference and read some different uh, differentiating opinions on Illinois uh, th- this week as well. I thought they were a fluky team. Very fortunate last year to to get to a bowl game. I mean, you want to talk about a fluky game? Look at that Michigan State game where they rallied behind. I mean, it was just a couple of really fluky performances from them. I'm not buying Lovey Smith. Uh, I mean, that's you know good, good story last year that they got to a bowl. But to me, I, I'm right there with you. I, I got them power rated right alongside Michigan State. So I just got done telling you how I, I don't think much of Michigan State. I don't think much of Illinois. I got this line at 21 and a half. Uh, I, I would, uh, since it's a Friday night, I'll have a pizza bet on Wisconsin. Yeah. I get this one 21 and a half as well with Illinois and Wisconsin. I, I do have Michigan state two and a half points better than Illinois on a neutral, but that will probably be changing. Uh, I would say, you know, just sort of based on what I'm kind of looking at, what I'm sort of hearing, 
And of course, too, this line for Illinois, Wisconsin, been hovering in the 19 range. So I'm going to have to make an adjustment. Probably means bumping Illinois a little bit, unless I decide they're a team that I want to play against here uh, over the next few weeks. But speaking of looking at the betting market here, this Thursday night game, I know we don't have a, a ton of turnaround time for this for our listeners, but this number just keeps going up both yeah. side in total. App State now 14 total, even at, at some of the sharpest offshores in the global market, showing 70 or 70 and a half now. And of course, a lot of the other markets will follow suit with a move of that magnitude. But I mean, look, I, I get it. It's a Thursday night game. The, the NFL game's a train wreck. People want to bet this game, but man, it's all App State and all over money. It concerns me, uh, you know, especially this year when, when you can't explain a line move, you know, you're worried about inside and maybe COVID issues. Arkansas State did just fire their defensive staff from last week. So I understand why there might be some thought process there to fade them. But I mean, how bad can you get? They just gave up 52 points to Georgia State. So I, it's not like I went ahead and, oh, they lost their defensive coordinator and I'm a downgrade Arkansas State's defense. I guess my problem is I've seen Arkansas State a bunch this year. I've only, I haven't seen App State in what, three weeks? What I have seen, they're 0 3 against the number. Lost to Marshall. I know Marshall's pretty good. Uh, didn't cover against Charlotte. And then the Campbell game uh, was kind of a throwaway. So I, I've actually downgraded App State a little bit in my power ratings. Uh, 14's a bet for me. I, I will release. I will bet Arkansas State. I'm waiting to see if the, the line continues to move. But, you know, one thing, don't get frozen by line moves. I did last week, Coastal Carolina, UL Lafayette. Line kept moving against me. I, I bet Coastal Carolina plus seven, seven and a half, eight. Line kept going up, and then I just got scared. I'm like, oh, somebody knows something I don't, COVID or something. And then, obviously, Coastal wins outright. So, no, this is kind of getting that same feeling for me. I'm not saying Arkansas State's going to win outright, but I, I, they're there to play for me at 14. Hopefully, I, I get a better number. Yeah, my number's 12 on this one. At 14, you know, just because there's really nothing else going on tonight. Yeah, maybe I will take a piece of Arkansas State, not going to touch this total. Arkansas State's playing at a very quick tempo. Yep. But yeah, App State hasn't played in 26 days. I mean, you know, th- this is the fourth game in 19 days for Arkansas State. So they should be sharp. So, I mean, I also took a piece of, I saw a plus seven and a half out there for the first half. Took a piece yeah, of that like on that. Arkansas State this morning. Uh, and then sharp. now that it's up to 14, uh, I think I'm definitely looking at the Red Wolves in that one. Uh, as, as far as Friday goes, you know, you mentioned Louisiana. This one's moving again on Louisiana against UAB as high as two and a half out there in the market total still in that 49 and a half 50 range, but another week with significant influential money on the raging Cajuns. I don't see it, man. I haven't seen it. And they beat Iowa state. And then I just, I, and to me, that was a mid, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have won, but I'm, they shouldn't have won by 17. If you go through that game, and just since then, they haven't covered a game. And I get it. They maybe it's they had COVID issues and they had several players out. But the, the, most of those guys have been back. And I and I like their head coach a lot. He follows me on Twitter. I like that. Uh, <laughs> That's a hell of a humble brag. I like that. Yeah, I like it. No, I just you know I think he's going to be a really good coach and he'll probably be an SEC job here shortly. But I'm not buying this one. And you know people love trends. I got a 21 and 0 trend now on this one. UAB's won 21 straight home games, and now they're a two-and-a-half-point underdog here. So I'm a little concerned that I'm missing something on Lafayette, but, I mean, this is my biggest overlay of the week now at the current line. I'm going to take UAB. Do you think Billy Napier listens to the show? (laughs) 
good. I, I, I don't want to, you know, incriminate him. I'm not that, you know, there's anything wrong with me, but I know how the NCAA is with that. But yeah, he, uh, he followed me a long time ago too. So I like that. Well, shout out to coach Napier. If you're listening here, uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry, we disagree with the line move on your team, but, uh, I love what he's doing. I just think he's been I overvalued agree. this year. He's been covering point spreads left and right the last two years, but since the Iowa state game, I think, Hey, a coach, if you're listening, you know, your team's <laughs> been a little overvalued in the marketplace. I hope he is, man. I hope, <laughs> I hope he is. And all of a sudden you go look at your followers and he's not there anymore. Yeah. He's just pissed off at us because I mean, yeah. look, both of us have UAB minus two in this game. Again, not really an indicator of anything against Louisiana, just that, well, no, your line's higher than two, right? Yeah. I got four. Yeah. So, well, that's huge. Yeah. I, that, that should signify huge, significant bat of the week material on UAB. Again, I'm a little concerned. I know some, the reason some of the money, it's a, a very, you could almost call them a syndicate. I, so I understood why it moved originally. I, I don't understand the, the, the continuation of this team. Let's just put it that way. Well, yeah, maybe this is why, I don't know. Maybe this one gets to three on the other side. I, I have no idea. So it looks like you and I uh, may have some interest in UAB here uh, on Friday night. Sorry again, Coach Napier, if you are listening to the show here. So we like to go by rotation number, and that means we'll go ahead and do a highlight video here on this Thursday edition of ATS Radio. I'm host Adam Burke, joined by pro better and handicapper Brad Powers. We're talking 317-318 here. Notre Dame on the road at Pitt. This line, 10.5. Pretty much the consensus number across the market. Total has dropped like a rock for this game down into the 43 range. And, Brad, you got some strong opinions on this Notre Dame and Pitt contest. Yeah, I, I like Pitt here a lot. There's so many different angles that, that, that I like Pitt here. But I'll just start. I think Pitt's undervalued. I mean, you go into the box score. This is a team that looks very average, 3-3. Three and three but they're out gaining their opponents by more than hundred yards per game. All right. Came up short in a couple games by a single point. I'm out of huge. I know the analytics crew uh, market hates Pat Narduzzi. I agree with him, but one thing he does do well as an underdog, I mean, he has a lot of games. Like it's that one game a season where they play out of their mind, beat Clemson in death Valley a couple years ago, beat an unbeaten Miami team in the final game of the regular season. A couple years ago, he has been, I mean, almost beat an unbeaten Notre Dame team a couple years ago. They ended up going to the playoffs. That was Notre Dame's closest game in the regular season. So he has proven to have that one game where they just play out of their minds might be this game in my opinion, but not only that, but you mentioned a very key point. This total continues to drop. Point spread doesn't. I mean, when you're dealing with a double-digit favorite and that total keeps dropping and dropping and dropping, your window of opportunity to cover this point spread lowers and you run the numbers. I mean, it's like 45% the last 15 years. If you're laying double digits and your total's like 45 or below, you're 45% against the spread. Also, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Been a Notre Dame fan for 30 years. Pitt is one team that consistently, I don't care if it's Lou Holtz, Bob Davey, Tyrone Willingham, Charlie Weiss, or, or Brian Kelly, Pitt plays Notre Dame tough. Ten of the last 12 meetings have been decided by one possession. I'm getting two possessions here. And all, on top of it, Notre Dame's overrated, dude. Uh, I mean, who have they played? I mean, the, 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 the teams that they played so far have a combined three FPS wins. And yet Notre Dame is struggling. Didn't cover against Florida State. Last week was, you know, nip and tuck all game long with Louisville. I'm continuing to fade. I'm going to fade Notre Dame. I hope they win. 
they don't cover and I can continue to play against this team week after week after week. I like it. I like everything you said there. And you know, it's, I like the, uh, the play like a champion today hat that you're wearing. <laughs> you're, Hopefully I cover <laughs> like a champion and I have faded this team each last two weeks and I'm doubling down again. This is actually uh, of the three times that I've went against them. This is my favorite of, of the three. I bet against them with Florida state, bet against them uh, with Louisville. And this one, I really like this and I will get into it, but I, I don't think Kenny Pickett's that big of a downgrade. Yeah. He was thrown all over the field, but I mean, they weren't winning games. They weren't covering. You know, my line on this game is eight and a half. So I disagree with the line move. And also, too, I've talked about this before that, you know, my lines are a pure power rating. They don't really factor the total into the equation. If I have eight and a half on a game and the total for a college football game is at 43, my number is more like seven in a game like that for exactly the reasons that you just said. The lower scoring the expectation, the harder it is to cover a big number. So if I, you know, look at more of a true power rating as opposed to a raw power rating, it's going to come down in this game with the low totals. So I'm getting an overlay here on Pitt. And I think Pitt is a very solid team. I know they're inconsistent. I know their offense has some questions, but the strength of this Pitt team is their defensive line, really their defensive front seven. Notre Dame's got to run the football to be really successful. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it here against Pitt. And when Book drops back, Pitt has one of the best pass rushes in the country. And they have several years in a row now. I just I don't see how Notre Dame puts up a big enough number to cover double digits here. And I'm even seeing some 11s popping up out there in the marketplace as well. Consensus opinion here from us. We both like Pitt. Absolutely. And then, and then you dive in. I just talked about historically Notre Dame's overrated, Pitt's underrated. Let's talk matchups. Pitt matches up well with Notre Dame. Notre Dame loves to run the football. They got a great offensive line, but Pitt has a really good defensive line. And that great off the, you know, the best offensive line in the country that I hear from pro football focus and whatnot gave up four sacks last week to Louisville. They're giving up four sacks to Louisville. I mean, they're going to probably give up four sacks here to, to, to Pitt. And Notre Dame can't throw the football down the field. There's Chase Claypool's on the Steelers. Uh, Ian Book, I mean, they've done a horrible job of recruiting. They can't get separation. So, I mean, Pitt's going to, I mean, I am sprinkling money line on Pitt. That's how much I like it. I was just going to ask you that. I was going to ask if you were sprinkling the money line. And, you know, is, is that like an 80-20 split for you? 85-15? It might even be a 70-30 in this game. I, I mean, I can really, I really think Pitt can win this game. All right. Well, there you go. There's a consensus opinion from us here on ATS Radio on this game between Notre Dame and Pitt for the weekend. Both of us liking Pitt. Both of us going to spray a little bit on the money line here as well in this game. Make sure you listen to the full broadcasts of ATS Radio and subscribe on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, we'll take a deep breath after that one. I, I think that's maybe Sorry, the, man, the strongest. I think it's maybe the strongest consensus play you and I have had on this show uh, here so far. Now that we're on ATS, but dating back to our bang the book days, um, I, that was a strong opinion that's from scary, both of us. Though. There, I, that's no, scary it's though. No, it's not. I, know. I, I, went, I mean, I win all the, the I win all the dinner bets. So if I'm on the game yeah. too, then you all gotta right, like it. Enough. I just, I don't get, how can the point spread continue to go up when the total has been down five points? I have no I just, maybe idea. I'm just missing something. I don't think I am. I, I watch, I've, I watch Notre Dame football every single play, like twice in each and every game. What, what, what we'll see. You need, no, no, no. <laughs> you need I'm not custom, seeing it this year. You need a custom made hat. It says cover like a champion today. Yeah, I know. And I want to see it on this show. 
All right. That's that's what we need. That's, I'll just that's uh, the next put a little thing you. up there. Yeah, there Cover. you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right. How about um, how about the game right below it on the board? 319-320, Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, not a good look last week for Tennessee. Not many good looks this season so far for the Tennessee Volunteers. But are you, uh, are you eager to lay 21, 21 and a half at the Crimson Tide here? I can only lay it with Bama, but my numbers don't call for it. I think my numbers are like 18 and a half, 19. Uh, no bet on the side. I, what I can talk myself into, I think Alabama can shut down Tennessee. And, uh, you know, Tennessee will probably slow the pace. I can talk myself into maybe some under. I know it's a 330 CBS game. People are going to want action. I don't have a big bet. Probably a pizza bet, Alabama. Uh, a large pizza with extra toppings on under 66. What about the game right below at NC State and North Carolina? And UNC now laying 14 and a half, 15 total down, oddly enough, in this game to 61, which would imply to me that, you know, if this total's being bet down, the expectation here, at least the suggestion, is that maybe NC State slows down this North Carolina offense? Yeah, so I, I circled it because, I, I again, I'm betting – majority of my betting actions against Circa. I'm, I'm, I know, you know, people are going to be out there. Whoa, the limits are only a thousand or 2000. How can those be your, your biggest bets? Well, I'm making like 20 of them. So, and, and I find the, the biggest value. This was a missed opportunity by me because I wanted to bet North Carolina. I thought they they could have beaten Florida state. They just had a bad half of football. NC state is a phony four and one team. They just lost their quarterback, Larry, who has been a major reason why they've looked better. So I circled, I am going to bet North Carolina. And the line's like 17 plus. I'm like, I don't want to bet North Carolina. In fact, I'd probably take NC State. I, you know, I missed the, missed the, the boat here. For NC State plus 17 should have been the pick. What about Virginia Tech and Wake Forest? This, this line looks suspiciously low to me. And maybe I just don't have Wake Forest upgraded enough. But this is one of the big overlays that I have. My line's 12 and a half here on Virginia oh, wow. Tech, and it's eight, eight and a half in the market. And am I just not respecting what Wake Forest has done to this point? No, I got a nine and a half. I want to bet Virginia Tech here. And I bet Wake Forest last week. Uh, you know, I thought coming in the season, Wake Forest was going to take a major step back. I've been impressed. I've upgraded them. I think I'm okay with my Wake Forest power rating. I, Virginia Tech's the, the interesting case, a team that was missing 20 players, four assistant coaches, and performed well, and now they get healthier and healthier each week, and Hendon Hooker is a major upgrade at quarterback for them. Uh, I'd lay the eight and a half. I'm surprised. You know, when the initial move was the 10 and we saw 10s pop in, I agreed with that. I'm like, what the, that, that's a good, you know, good movement in the marketplace. I don't understand the, the buyback here on Wake. I'm going to talk myself into betting the Hokies. As we jump down the board here a little bit, a game that we did talk about yesterday on the show, in fact, did a highlight video for 349-350 Iowa State, Oklahoma State. We had a consensus opinion, Kyle and I, on yesterday's show to take Iowa State plus the three and a half. And, and, you know, when you and I were talking about notes and going over some things for today's show, you said that you had some pretty strong takes on this game, too. Yeah, my favorite play of the week is Pitt, but my second favorite would be Iowa State plus the three and a half. And this is what, what the beauty of it's kind of more art than science sometimes in this industry. On one hand, when you get more data points, the lines, and we talked at the top of this, lines are getting tighter as far as power ratings disparities as you, you know, play more and more games. But the beauty of playing more and more games, you can find hidden value in those games. And I got it here real quickly. I got three games with Iowa State with hidden value. 
the opener against Louisiana Lafayette wasn't a 17-point margin. If you dive into the box score, uh, Lafayette got a couple special teams touchdowns. So uh, it's a bad look for Iowa State, but not as bad as 31-14. to 14. Iowa State then against TCU. A lot of fluky things happened. Here's what, what happened that was significant to a lot of people. TCU scored a 30-yard touchdown pass on the final play of the game. So to me, Iowa State was better than that final. Uh, Iowa State also against Texas Tech, better than that final. Why? A 90-yard block field goal return touchdown. A 10-point play in that game. So value on Iowa State. Oklahoma State was outgained against Tulsa. A game where Oklahoma State kicked a field goal like 20 seconds left. Otherwise, it's, I think, 16-7. to Ah, they struggled. 13-7, to I think, would raise more eyebrows if that was the case. They scored in the last minute against West Virginia and also got a long scoop and score touchdown in that one. So all that, to me, saying value on Iowa State. And I don't want to bet on these teams that have been off three weeks. One bye week's fine when you have multiple bye weeks, when you're starting to get into a rhythm like Oklahoma State was. That's a bad look. So Cyclones plus three and a half, sprinkle some money line. Well, and again, we, we talk about it all the time that, you know, it's not just for adjusting power ratings, but but box score study is critically important because yep. those are all things that you found in the box score that, you know, if you're just looking at a final score, don't really show up. And, you know, those are things that you, know, you got one side that you like, you know, some of the things that uh, that you read in the box score and one side that you don't like. And this line hasn't moved at all. So I don't know if people are just asleep at the switch or maybe they're higher on Oklahoma state or higher on Spencer Sanders than we are something like that. But uh, again, you got three opinions here on Iowa state in that one. What about Oklahoma TCU with an early kickoff here? 351, 352, six and a half and 59. The numbers here for that one. I laid five at circle with Oklahoma. Ooh, good. Number. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I'm not buying. Look, I love Gary Patterson, but uh, I just, something's not right with them the last three, four years. I mean, they're one of the worst teams against the spread among power five teams, like third or fourth worst. Uh, They're terrible at home against the number. I think they're six and 14 against the spread their last 20 at home. Just he's living off of what he was five, 10 years ago. I'm not buying it. What I am buying is Oklahoma Spencer Rattler after getting benched in the Texas game for uh, you talk about Lincoln Riley. He was a mess that game had one of his worst games of his career as his coach, but they found a way to win. Spencer Rattler came in, made some plays in, in the extra sessions was going toe for toe with Sam Ellinger, a four-year starter that was trying to will his team to win. Oklahoma got the win now off a of bye. I think the Sooners are going to be a play on team for me on the next few weeks. Oh, I like it. I like it. Strong opinion there on that one. Uh, 361-362 South Carolina, as I'm wearing the Cox hat once again here there on the go. show. Uh, they take on LSU and, you know, LSU, a lot of questions right now. And, and the biggest question of all, the status of quarterback Miles Brennan, who has played really well to this point. You give him a lot of credit for that. Very, very, very inexperienced behind him. And this number in fact, has come down to six. Yeah, I mean, I still... I would lean South Carolina here. Uh, I just, I mean, he, Brennan is a significant downgrade. I don't think people, re- I mean, obviously Brennan's a significant downgrade from Joe Burrow, but that gap between those two is maybe even the gap between Brennan and a couple of true freshmen that have no experience. Here's what I did. I, you know, I took off a piece of South Carolina plus seven. I'm still would lean that way. Plus six. I think what didn't get adjusted enough, the total, if LSU has a couple of true freshmen, they are going to be super conservative. They are going to go back to at less miles, LSU football. Let's hand the ball off and control the clock here. And I think the LSU's defense was embarrassed. Uh, And look, they stink, 
but I can lock down Shai Smith with Derek Stingley. That's the best thing South Carolina has going on offense is Shai Smith, the wide receiver. And look, force eight guys into the box and stop the running back and make Colin Hill try to beat you. So I think it's an old school, you know, SEC game that we used to watch in the 90s growing up. Uh, under 55 looks good to me. Yeah, and this is one that has come down a little bit uh, throughout the course of the week. I do like to go in rotation order, but I'm going to skip over Michigan and Minnesota. We'll do a highlight video here in a second, but I do want to make sure we touch on this because I don't think we talked about it on yesterday's show. Rice is playing its first game of the year. Middle Tennessee has played six <laughs> games already, and Rice is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and this line has gone up. And maybe this is one of those cases where not playing actually helps you because you're playing a team that has played and has looked bad in the process. Yeah, so I thought Middle Tennessee was, you know, starting to gain some traction. They covered three games in a row. They finally won a game, and then last week happened, and they were just annihilated uh, on defense, gave up 768 yards in North Texas, and the money just came in left and right on Middle Tennessee. So much, I mean, I didn't end up betting it, but it was so much money on game day on North Texas that I thought I had to go through on Sunday morning. Did I miss something? Middle Tennessee have COVID issues. Why did that line move three points on game day? Just anti middle Tennessee money. And uh, obviously that proved to be correct. Here's why, uh, you know, I, I think the market's caught on to this trend now, but team and because it's so unique to this 2020 season, and we've seen this more often than any other season in college football history, teams that are playing their first game of the season, against teams that have already played. It doesn't matter if they played two, three, four, in this instance, you know, half their season. Teams playing their first game of the season are 23-9 and nine against the spread. So, I mean, it's better to have film on your opponent than, than actually play the game. So that's why I think some of the money um, movement here on Rice. I'm not betting it, though. No, I'm not betting it either. But I think it could also be one of those situations where, you know, Rice is a team that's kind of been in transition, too. They had the coaching change last year. Uh, you know, that's a team that – or two years ago, I should say – that's a team that's kind of still trying to figure out its identity. Maybe it helps them that there's no film on, you know, some of the new things they're going to incorporate this year. Absolutely. I, I could certainly see that. They did have a couple guys opt out. So uh, that's a little bit of a worry. Their practices were messed up. So uh, again, it's just a, it's a no, total no bet for me. Learn a lot though, I guess about rice. And we'll, we'll see if middle Tennessee is going to throw in the towel after they built back up to get the season kind of righted a little bit, then to have last week and just get annihilated by, I think, a terrible North Texas team, Middle Tennessee might. This will be the game. They get beat up bad by Rice. I don't want to be betting Middle Tennessee anytime, probably the rest of the year. This is probably a discussion for another day, but I wonder if Stock Stills lost the team. I just, I sort of wonder if maybe, maybe they wind up with a coaching change. Maybe he kind of resigns, steps aside, something like that. I, I sort of wonder if that's a possibility there for MTSU. He lost me in the first half of the first game against Army. I, oh, yeah. I had a nice rant about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> the inf now infamous Brad Powers rant on yeah. Twitter about Stock still and his uh, questionable, we'll call it, clock management. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and do a highlight video here. On game 385, 386 between Michigan and Minnesota. Three the number painted across the market. Total on this game in the 54 and a half, 55 range, probably going to be cold and weather could be a little bit of a factor up in Minneapolis for this one. But I'm joined, of course, by pro better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, this is, you know, probably the spotlight game here, I would say, uh, of week eight. What do you think about Michigan and Minnesota? 
So power rating says it's right on the mark. I got Michigan by three. Uh, the, the kind of the fan in me, the historical uh, college football fan in me says Minnesota's the play here. Why? Michigan on the road against ranked teams. And this trend that I tweeted got some play early this week. Michigan's one in 20 straight up. The last 21 times they went on the road and played a ranked team. It's been historically bad for them uh, in these big time performances. Also, I mean, in my opinion, Minnesota's got the better quarterback easily. Tanner Morgan over Joe Milton, who was a surprise starter. I mean, a lot of us uh, were thinking McCaffrey was going to be the heir apparent to Shea Patterson, and he wasn't. Joe Milton is the starter, a little bit more mobile for them. Uh, Michigan lost 10 guys in the NFL draft and then lost a couple more guys to opt out. I downgraded Michigan significantly in my power ratings. What what's worried me on not I've not gotten in the window yet. I'm betting Minnesota is man. PJ Fleck, I think it was on Tuesday in his press conference, kind of hinted at a few, you know, COVID issues possibly for Minnesota. And that's why I think we've seen some money trickle in on Michigan. That's the only thing stopping me from betting the Gophers here. One other thing that people aren't going to talk about total is starting to get some money on the under. I agree with it. I think you're going to be stunned. Uh, just be, maybe because I live in Vegas and the weather's always great, but I think nationally because we've we've only seen basically Southern schools play so far this year, I think that kickoff temperature is going to be in the upper twenties. <laughs> so I mean that's going to be almost a shock to the system for people who've been watching college football so far this year. I agree with the under money. Yeah, I agree with it too. And you know I don't really know what sort of quantifiable impact we can suggest regarding home field advantage and crowd noise and stuff like that, but. You know, if it's cold and blustery and kind of miserable and you have to create all of your own energy, I know it's the first game of the year and these guys are going to be very excited, but, you know, it's going to be just quiet and you're just going to hear the wind yeah. whistling around and all that type <laughs> of thing. And, you know, that I mean, I think that's just such a strange atmosphere for yes. these players, especially when you play major conference football like this in the Big Ten you know, you're used to playing, obviously it's not the big house, it's it's in Minnesota, but you're used to playing in front of loud crowds and you've got this upset potential game and all these kinds of things. I think it creates a really weird, almost docile environment for this game that could end up lending itself towards, you know, something like the under. And furthermore too, look, for Minnesota, okay, Rashad Bateman's back and that's awesome. That's very good for Tanner Morgan, but they lost Tyler Johnson, who was the top wide receiver for that team last year. They also lost Rodney Smith, the top running back for that team last year. I would be surprised if at the outset, Minnesota is as efficient offensively as they were last year, because now Bateman gets all the attention, gets all the double coverage, all the help underneath, help over the top, stuff like that. Michigan will game plan to take away Rashad Bateman. And if they're able to do that, then it's on the Minnesota running game. And as you know, as flawed as this Michigan program has been, they're still generally pretty good against the run unless they play Ohio State. Minnesota doesn't have the athletes or the offensive line Ohio State does. I agree with you. I think the under is the play here. My line's Michigan minus five. I'm not going to play the game because I do want to see how Michigan does with some new personnel and with those opt-outs. But I think you're onto something there with the under for sure. Yeah, I can see it being like a 20 to 17 old school, three yards in a cloud of dust type of, of game. One thing I will say, I do like Minnesota's offensive line. Uh, so Falele at guard is one of the best guards. He's like that 400 pounder, legit dude uh, there. And Ibrahim at running back is really good for them, even though they lost, like you mentioned, Rodney Smith. Uh, the one thing 
that concerns me about Minnesota's offense that people aren't going to realize they lost their offense coordinator, Sharoka uh, uh, to Penn State. Uh, that was PJ Flex, right hand man, going back to the Western Michigan days. So we'll see how that adjustment goes. They hired Mike Sanford Jr., who I'm you know familiar with, was a disaster as the head coach at Western Kentucky. They only gave him a couple years. And he didn't wow me as the Notre Dame offensive coordinator either. So I think they downgraded an offensive coordinator. So that lends itself to the under here. You talked me into it. I started, ah, I lean under, it's going to be cold and stuff. And now the way you talked and I came over the top, yeah, I'm going to bet the under now. Well, there we go. Consensus opinion on the under here in this spotlight game between Michigan and Minnesota. Again, make sure you listen to our full editions of ATS Radio, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. Before we transition over to the NFL side, anything else you want to mention here on the college football side? No, I think we covered it, man. I think we did. We covered a lot of ground here uh, in college football for this week. And, of course, in two weeks' time, we'll have the Pac-12 and the MAC to sort of talk about some of their power ratings. And, in fact, by the time that we talk about MAC power ratings, they they will have already played some games because they start on November 4th. Unless we talk next week, man. We're going to do a MAC preview. Yeah, we'll do a MAC preview next week. That sounds good. All right. All right. So let's transition over to the NFL side of things here where – Look, we always spend a lot more time on college football, both with Kyle and Brad. And, and this week, it's even more so by design because you look at this NFL card this week and, and, and there's just there's not a whole lot that's overly appealing to me. I agree. Uh, I don't know if that's good news or bad news. I loved a lot last week and had mixed results. <laughs> but uh, this week, I struggled. So, uh, you know, I talk about my newsletter each week. I, I, I have like a set number, uh, like three picks a week in my newsletter that I give out. And I struggled, uh, I mean, to get three picks this week. Particularly, I kind of like the Raiders. And then COVID stuff hit them yesterday. So that ruined one pick. Uh, Yeah, just a tough week, man. Uh, And tough season for me. I've never had a losing season in the NFL. And I don't want to – I probably jinxed myself because this is the first year I really talked about it. I was like, hey, I'm a college guy, but I've never had a losing season in the NFL. And I'm 50% this year, so I hope I don't jinx myself. But, man, I – I don't, I, I don't envy you trying to come up with five contest picks this week. No, I don't envy me either. And now that Las Vegas line, as you mentioned, up to three and a half and even four with uh, basically the whole offensive line, you know, either with it or sort of quarantined from it. And also, uh, are they going to play? Like, I I mean, every time I've been ahead of COVID, they've not not played the game. Like it's going to, it was going to be to my advantage if they played. And now the time that it's against me, I mean, again, this is a bitch here. But they're going to play with their second-string offensive line? Man, I'm going to be pissed because I already did bet the Raiders. So here's the thing is, and I'll throw on a little bit of a conspiracy theory hat here, maybe a tinfoil hat in some people's minds. This is the Sunday night game with Tom Brady in it. Like, they're going to push (laughs) as hard as they possibly can to play this game. You know, this is – like, if this this shit happens in Dallas and Washington or something like that, they're probably just like, yeah, we're going to move that game. We're going to cancel that game. You know, also – in fairness, that's a division game. So maybe that's a bad example. Detroit, Atlanta, for example. Yeah. No, nah, we'll, we'll just kind of push it back. We'll figure it out later on. But because it's the spotlight Sunday night game, uh, every attempt will be made to probably play this one for better or for worse, just because, you know, I mean, yeah, player safety and, and public safety and so on and so forth. Also, money. Money comes into play. Yes. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I 
Maybe they could, you know, flex a game to Sunday night. Maybe San Francisco, New England, something like that. I, I don't know. But right now, I, I mean, I would say it, it would be hard for Vegas to play this game. And, of course, as we see with the line, people thinking it'll be hard for Vegas to yeah. compete in this game a little bit as well. But I learned an important lesson last week in the yep. Circa. Don't bet on shitty teams. Yeah. And and the New York Giants are a shitty team. And You took them? Yeah, I, I took them. Oh, man, dude. It, I even took three instead of the two and a half yeah. that was in the Super Contest. So shame on me for that. Quite frankly, I was hoping they'd lose the game outright when Washington went for two. But but that's something that I, you know, I, I think when we look at the NFL in general here, just the gap is, is so substantial. And even when you look at double-digit favorites in the NFL, and I know Buffalo is one of them here this week, I think I gave out the, the actual trend uh, on Tuesday's show when I talked about it with Brian Blessing, but – like double digit favorites do very well in the NFL now. Just the, the yep. gap between the teams that are efficient and play well against the teams that are inefficient and don't play well, it may be the biggest I could ever remember. Yeah, and uh, here's the thing. I mean, so many things we could dive into here. You know, number one, it's okay to, you know, it's tough betting on shitty teams, but usually that's where the value is as far as point spread. I'm not saying you're going to win long term, but you're certainly not paying a premium on shitty teams. But you bring up a good point, doubled, and that's recent. It's like last five years, double-digit favorites have been, you know, it's been a fundamental change in NFL because for 30 years, you know, if you were betting on double-digit favorites, you were a long-time loser. And then it's just like a, a light bulb switched. And now, like, I mean, you're talking about, what, 60%. And in some instances, I think road favorites of double digits, which you think that is the worst. I don't want to back a double-digit road favorite. They were like an 18 and two run. Like historically we're like 45%, but last 20, 18 and two, and it's not even close. I mean, they are covering by margin in these instances. I don't know what the reason why. Uh, I don't know if there's more wave the white flag. There's more disparities because the totals are up higher. There, there's a lot to it, but I, and I think there might be even some value to, to, to betting on the double digit favorite because guys like me, and, and I know I'm young, I don't look younger, but I am younger, but at least I was brought up by the old school mentality. Don't bet on double digit favorites and whatnot. I think a lot of guys, it's either you take the dog or you're pass. And I think a lot of those guys are now are just passing and you're not paying a premium like you typically would on these double digit favorites. Does that make sense? Or was I just rambling? No, it does. It, it makes a lot of sense. And you know, the, the hard part is, and I think this kind of tripped me up a little bit last week, because like you, there were a lot of things I liked and I went two and three, Oh, with the yep. circa picks. And I did, you know, there were some games I certainly second guessed myself on right away. Did you take but, Dallas? Yes. I did too, man. What, what the? Are, f- I took them. I mean, I gave them out, you know, when they were in that plus two and a half plus three range. I thought I had a great bet. Pre flop. Yeah. I mean, when do you get three and a half points of line value in the NFL? I'm dancing before the game. Couldn't be more wrong. What the oh, hell? Yeah. Uh, yeah what the dead, hell, man? Dead wrong in that game, too. And, and that was. I mean, that was a lot of different things. It was turnovers. It was McCarthy. Yeah. It's Kellen Moore. It's the fact that the Dallas coaching staff is just in shambles altogether. And, and that's the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, what should I prioritize in the NFL? You know, is it coaching? And I talked about this a few weeks ago. Maybe I should just listen to myself a little bit more. I basically said, you know, if I get the better coach and the better quarterback, I'm just playing that team. Yeah. And maybe it's, maybe it's that simple. And 
I don't know. I mean, if I could predict turnover margin, I think that would help because it's so hard to get stops in the think? NFL these days <laughs> that, you know, it's almost like you win the turnover battle and you, and you win the game and you cover the spread. And but what last, teams don't turn it over? Great coach teams and good right. quarterbacks. And, and that's the thing is, you know, last week there were a lot of games that were expected to be highly competitive, expected to be very close. There are several games around those low key numbers here again this week. And Maybe that's maybe that's just it. Better coach, better quarterback, gonna win the turnover margin. I just gotta play all of them and not even care what the line actually is. Oh, you gotta care what the line is, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just it, it shook me a little bit. I haven't been shaking too much in the NFL because I, I thought I was in store for a re- like I felt more confident last week than probably any week so far this NFL season, and then it was just yeah, mixed results. I mean, I split out, but. Yeah, I, I think if you're betting on the better coach and quarterback, you're okay now. I yeah. mean, who's co- who's winning and covering the margin? Baltimore continues to do it. Kansas City does it year after year. Obviously, the, the case, I mean, they shouldn't be able to – it should be physically impossible to do it. But the New England Patriots for 20 years, best coach, best quarterback, covered 60%, even though you're paying premiums on them. Uh, maybe that, that's – maybe they're on to something. Maybe we're just seeing more – Maybe not at that level, but we're just seeing, you know, if you got a great quarterback, great coach, you're fine. You're going to cover the spread. doesn't matter what, like you mentioned, doesn't matter what it is. They're covering. Well, and, and that's the thing is, you know, we, we sit here and we tell ourselves, and I tell my listeners and, and everybody tells everybody that, you know, this NFL market is so efficient and it you've is. got so many people diving into all the analytics, expected points per, per play and per attempt and per drop back and, you know, expected points per run and per rush and all these different analytics and metrics that are out there. And I understand it. And I'm an analytics guy in baseball, so I'm never going to talk down about those guys by any means. But I wonder if, to a degree, we overcomplicate the current state of the NFL. If it is just such a simple, straightforward, any jackass can do it kind of handicap. And I'm certainly a jackass in general. So maybe that's just what I need to do. Maybe I need to simplify my NFL handicapping approach and just be like, look, you know, if, if, if I've got the better quarterback and the better coach, like I got with Buffalo, I don't give a shit. They're laying 12. I'm going to take them anyway. You know, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if, if that's the, the right approach, but I can tell you this, the NFL is far and away to me, the most frustrating and maddening betting market I participate in. Really? Yeah. It, it's just, it feels like every game comes down to a third down stop or a turnover or something just shit that you, you have no possible way of predicting handicapping (laughs) or analyzing anything. It's just, it's college football for me. God, I feel like I lose the turnover margin in every effing NFL game I pick. Yeah. And that's, that's the stat that you want. I mean, that is the most important stat. I mean, you're talking 70 plus percent. I think it's like 77%. You win the turnover battle, you cover 77% of the time. Uh, I hear you. Uh, I guess I've had success because I I am a, you mentioned jackass. I I'm a dumbass in the NFL. I don't know the left (laughs) tackle for the Cowboys or any of that stuff. College football. I do. And maybe that that causes issues for me, you know, paralysis by over analysis. I think you're on to something. Sometimes just dumbing down the handicapping. You can see the market a little bit more clearly. I love analytics. I'm not going to be this old school analytics or dumb analytics are the way of the future. I get it. They have a significant place, but I think people sometimes, 
overvalue analytics. I just, you're going into this. I mean, I read these write-ups and it's just, you're talking about the, you know, third down, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. Cause it's going to make me look like a dumbass. but uh, just the, the level that they go into. And I'm just like, that shit don't matter. We just got, I got done telling you turnovers matter. That matters more than anything. You can give me a hundred stats of a thousand stats. Turnovers matter. Who's going to turn the football over? Better quarterback likely is going to turn the football over. Head coach is going to put his team in compromising positions uh, to possibly turn it over and whatnot. So I think you're on to something. Better coach, better uh, co- quarterback. We're certainly seeing it. And one team that I'm just not grasping that I think, you know, does have a really good head coach and I'm not giving the quarterback enough play is the Tennessee Titans. Tannehill's playing like an elite quarterback, and Mike Vrabel just might be a top-five coach in the NFL. That's a team that I continue to bet against, and maybe they just have a, a good, uh, you know, a great head coach and a really good quarterback that I'm undervaluing. Well, Tennessee had no business covering that game last week. That was one of them. But that they I find ways. Isn't they that do. what Belichick would do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I don't know, man. It's just like, every day I look at the NFL card and – you know, I, I either talk myself in circles or, and I'm having a decent year in the circle. It's not like I'm, you know, in, in line for the hundred thousand dollar booby prize for, for the worst record, the lowest number of points or whatever. Well, 57 but just, percent. What are you? No, oh, what am I now? 18, 18, 11 and one. So That's 60%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm. that's good. It is, but you know, look, it's one of those things. Kansas City, right? This week. Yeah. Better coach, better quarterback. And I want to take Denver. You know, so I want to lean Denver too, but I hope you bet the the under snow. Well, like I stand on this soapbox and sit here and say, okay, best coach, best quarterback. And then I go, (laughs) I can't lay nine and a half with Kansas City. You know? So it's like I just I I contradict myself. And and maybe that's the thing about the NFL. Like we said, you know, there's so much that goes into it, so much that goes into a handicap, whether you do it statistically or the angles or the trends or this and that, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the goal is to simplify the process and just kind of, you know, live and die with the better coach and the better quarterback when you get that chance, but also who's to say, who's the better coach. I mean, can you quantify that? You know, know. outside of Belichick, Andy Reed, uh, I I don't know. I mean, you know, like I, I, okay. Seattle, the the way you can quantify it is, you know, how do they perform against the spread? But it's the problem with the ever changing. Zimmer's really good against the spread. All of a sudden, maybe the game's passed him by. Just when you think, oh, I got enough of a data size to say this guy's elite. And then at that point, the game has changed so much. Now he's not elite. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, Seattle, Arizona, prime example. Wilson, better quarterback. Carroll, better coach. Three and I'll a half. Take scares Arizona. Me. Three and a half. I'll scares take Arizona. Yeah. You no. Know, so. I I don't know. There's other factors. I mean, see, come on, man. Seattle's been outgained in every game. Sooner or later, the hammer's going to drop. Yeah, they're off a bye, though. Yeah, I know. They're That's off a bye in Arizona's me. short week. Yeah, that the situation. It's always something with the NFL. It is, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always something. It's like, oh, I want to bet this game, and then you're like, but it's this and this. Oh, okay. I mean, it. I don't. again, I don't know how. I am very comfortable betting three, whether it's, you know, side totals. Three is my baby. I can make three NFL bets. When you go to five sides, I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know. I need I need teasers in the circuit for this week. That's what I need. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think they're going to allow that to happen. But uh, yeah, I know that we didn't really talk too much about too many specific games here in the NFL. But at least we gave you you know uh, a rant, a whine, whatever you want to call it, uh, about sort of the thought process here. 
with professional football. Always great to chat here with professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, what's going on over at the website right now, bud? Newsletter. If you want to, you know, get actual analysis and not me bitching, complaining, and moaning, you can get all my write-outs for every single college game, every single NFL game, all the way through the Super Bowl. 79 bucks for the entire year. Uh, picks have been doing good, 59%. I'll never complain about that. Uh, but don't buy for the picks. Buy for the info. Again, if you talk about uh, power ratings, you get them all. If you want to get a jump start on the MAC and the Pac-12, I got those teams uh, you know, updated in this week's issue as far as power ratings go. You can find it there more. 79 bucks through the Super Bowl. BradPowerSports.com. And make sure you follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. And like we said, we will talk Mac on uh, our power ratings for the Mac on next week's show. Brad, always a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, man. Appreciate it. There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Coming up on Friday, I will try to figure out my picks for week seven here in the Circus Sports Million with my picks and leans and an update on how things are going in the contest as well as over in the Super Contest, which we are not in, but we still cover over at ATS.io. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.